Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm really glad everyone's here. I'm especially glad that little baby is here. Amen. Um, yes. That's so yeah, wonderful. Yes. Isn't it great seeing a cute little baby like that? Oh, yeah. It just does something for you, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, well, we are continuing, even though we're here for our um, picnic, church service and picnic, it, it's kind of like when Jesus did the Sermon on the Mount, they were outside, right? So yes. they, were, they were probably having a little picnic while he talked yeah. to, right, don't you think? Yeah. So it's only fitting we should continue with that series. And uh, it's a message that Jesus is sharing with the crowds who were following him with his disciples. And we today are in Matthew 5, 27 to 37. And your handout there should have the scripture on it. And when you turn it over, there's more on the back. And there's some points there that we'll do some fill in the blank. Surprise, surprise, right? Okay, so let's read the first few verses here. And starting at verse 27, you've heard it... You'd heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Okay, well, <laughs> this passage, we'll read on some more verses in just a moment. What we're talking about is uh, staying honorable today. And uh, the handouts in the bulletin are there for you to, to use. If you are watching online, uh, just contact the church office, just email us, and we'll be glad to send you a handout so you have what verses those were too. And uh, we're talking, like I said today, about staying honorable. We're looking at three or four areas that Jesus calls attention to. And what he's doing with this is he's continuing, just like we talked about the first couple of weeks on this series, getting at the heart issues of the people and the heart issues of the commandments. And the reason why he did this was because the Pharisees had made it all about some do's and don'ts. They had written several books, like uh, an additional 700 commandments for people that they wrote that kind of further, uh, in their minds, further explained what exactly, you know, because like you wouldn't want to like trust God to know what to do. You actually want it written out in all these rules, right? And so here's what Jesus said to him in Matthew 23, 3 to 5. On your handout there you have it. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do. Jesus is talking about the Pharisees here. For they do not practice what they preach. Mm -hmm. So they had all these rules and they still weren't doing all of them themselves. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. Mm -hmm. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. Okay. Well, that kind of sets it out there what it is. Why, though, let me ask you a group question. What was the problem with keeping a list? I mean, why wouldn't we just try to keep a list? I think it's, it makes us, it makes people focus more on the exterior instead of the... Yeah, makes people focus on the exterior. Instead of the heart. Yeah, any other thoughts? Well, if you keep the list, then you figure you can do everything else you want to do. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know. Yeah, it's not on the list. It's open it for your be own okay to do. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
And keeping a list, like, like was said, doesn't address our hearts. Uh, the condition of our hearts. I mean, you could keep that list and have a rotten heart, right? So it, it doesn't show us whether or not we're surrendered to Jesus. Um, a famous presidential quote that was in a magazine interview he did in 1979, and the president was Jimmy Carter. If any of you were alive then, you might have remembered this. He said, I've looked on a lot of women with lust. I've committed adultery in my heart many times. Uh, this is definitely a situation of TMI, right? I mean, honestly. But somehow they got him talking about that, and uh, it shows what Jesus is talking about, that it is our hearts and our minds that determine if we're right with God. And Satan loves to put thoughts in our heads and make us think those are our own thoughts, those sinful thoughts that he must put in. But the idea is when you get a thought like that, you kind of bounce from it. You go away from that thought, pray and ask Jesus to take that thought out of your head. That's, no, I'm not going to have that thought. Lord God, remove that thought of the enemy from me. And then submit that thought to Jesus Christ. Just say, Lord God, I'm just submitting that to you. I ask you to wash that out of my head by the blood of Jesus Christ. So, Jesus says, though, when he's talking to these people, sitting around with a Sermon on the Mount, he says, you know, if your eye's offending you, gouge it out. Um, gouging an eye out, that seems kind of severe, doesn't it? What if, if you have a problem with an area of sin, should you really cut off a part of your body to keep you from sin? And uh, what is Jesus really saying here? Is he really saying to go do that? Well, what he's saying is don't allow yourself to be around or be affected by what leads you to sin. And those things that cause you to sin, remove them from your life. Uh, get away from the thing that tempts you to sin. For example, a pastor of a church two years after we had left uh, was found to be having an affair with his neighbor. That's terrible. And after he was fired from the church, he was given the option of a restoration ministry, which is great, you know, to help him get right with God and get right with his family, um, with his wife. And one of the things of the process was they had to sell their house and move out of state. I mean, to get as far away from the temptation as possible and work on their marriage and their relationship with God. And so sometimes you have to actually take a step like that Remove yourself from the temptation. Don't go there. Don't hang out with those people. You know, don't read those books or magazines. Don't watch that show on TV. Uh, we don't want anything in our lives that tempts us to sin. There's too much at stake, according to Jesus. He said, it's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. Okay, so that brings up the question. Group question again. Will sinning cause you to go to hell? Of course. <clears throat> of course. Any other thoughts? If it's unrepented, yes. If it's unrepented, yeah, that's right. Yes, sin, sin will send you to hell unless you've surrendered to Jesus Christ your whole life to him. You've repented of, of, uh, of that and moved on as, with following him as your Lord and Savior. Then Romans 8, 1 and 2 comes into play. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives us life has set you free from the law of sin and death. But, but continually sinning, if we have this continual sin problem, uh, it shows there's a problem with our hearts. 
and it can pull us away from Jesus Christ. Once we've surrendered to Jesus, this verse tells us that we can live free from the law of sin and death. So we don't have to submit to sin and death anymore. We now submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's read on in the next part that, that Jesus teaches on. Verse 31, it's been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce, but I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you've heard it said that it was said that to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Okay, so we'll stop there. Um, okay, uh, the next thing he addresses is marriage. And marriage is a covenant that we make with each other before God. Uh, in those days, though, what why Jesus is talking about it. In those days, a man could divorce his wife just by saying, I divorce you three times and giving Whoa. her a certificate of divorce. I divorce you, I divorce you, you know. That's a scary situation for a wife. Especially because women were not given the rights that men were. And a man could have no other reason to divorce her other than he found her to be something to be indecent about her. And... The different schools of Pharisees debated about what indecent meant, you know, and with interpretations ranging from being unfaithful to being that she ruined a dish for dinner. Oh. Oh, no. So one of the liberal Pharisee schools even said he may divorce her if he found someone more fair than she was. Oh, These are all very superficial reasons. So the teaching that Jesus is giving here is to protect women from being divorced by their husbands and being tossed out on the streets just because she burnt the roast for dinner or because he grew tired of her. And Jesus said to them that the, in this case, an illicit divorce creates a situation of adultery. God's best to us is, for us is to stay married to our spouse even when we have problems, to work them out together and to know that the D word is not ammunition to be used in an argument <laughs> because we're angry, because divorce creates wounds and brokenness. And unless there's abuse or unfaithfulness, God's best plan for us is to stay together when we're married. The next area Jesus addresses is oaths. So what is an oath? Something you promised to do. Something you promised to do. Yeah, exactly. Like some kind of alliance. It, it might be for an alliance. Yeah, exactly. In the Bible, an oath was often made to fulfill a promise. They they said, "I'm going to, I'm going to fulfill this. I promise I will do this." And they would invoke the name of God, saying they would honor that promise. And the Pharisees had this complicated series of rulings on oaths. Of course, right? Big surprise. <laughs> Uh, two kinds of oaths. There was this positive oath, which was a promise to do something, or a negative oath, which was a promise not to do something. And some, some of them thought that only oaths using the name of the Lord were binding. 
Okay, if you weren't totally sure you could fulfill an oath, you would swear by heaven. Because it wasn't as binding as God's name, since heaven was less holy than God himself. Okay, so there was this increasing tendency to look for loopholes so people could get out of the promises, out of the oaths. So they'd swear by less sacred things, like earth or Jerusalem. And Jesus says right here, don't swear at all by anything, you know? Yeah. Not by heaven, not by earth or Jerusalem, or even by your head, which I'm not sure how that worked out, <laughs> swearing by your head, you know, I guess. Oh. <laughs> you know, he says, just let it be yes and mean it, or no and don't do it. You know, just say yes or no, because all this positioning and posturing around with oaths was actually from the devil. It's dishonorable and evil. So basically, these areas we've looked at today, they all look at being honorable. Uh, staying honorable before God and each other and living honorable lives. So how do we stay honorable? Well, the first thing we want to do, and you fill in the blanks there, is to stay away from sinful influences. Stay away from sinful influences. If you know certain things are going to tempt you to sin, just stay away. Stay away from it. Don't place yourself in a situation that tests your ability to resist. I mean, if you keep putting yourself there, it's going to eventually wear you down. Yes, God can give us strength from the power of the Holy Spirit in situations where we have no choice. However, God also tells us to flee from sin. 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12 says, But you, man of God or woman of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In our lives, there can also be some generational ties that call, cause sinful behavior. And the devil, through those generational ties, has an open door to mess with you in your life and with your mind. And if you think you might be dealing with some of those generational sins, then I encourage you to set up an appointment with our prayer ministers to pray through that. We've seen people set free from hindrances and sins that hold them back, uh, that are generational things, and seen them be able to walk in freedom. For example, People who dealt with rage and anger when they submitted all those generational and personal sins to the blood of the cross. They experienced freedom from rage, and that was no longer their go-to emotional response. Even when you're not dealing with generational problems, though, in areas of temptation, why would you want to live as close to the edge, as close to sin as possible, and still be saved? Instead, we want to live as close to Jesus as possible. Amen. Bethel and I are, are doing a kind of a book club, the two of us together, called The Awe of God. And, and John Bevere talks about that in there. That's an awesome book, by the way, if you're looking for the next book to read. A uh, little promo there. <laughs> but we want to stay away from sinful influences and demonic things. I mean, there's stuff in the news all the time about opportunities to be around junk like that, and we don't want to be. Witchcraft is not good. Demonic stuff is not good. You want to stay away from that because you don't want to create an opportunity for the devil to mess with you. 
So the first thing we want to do to live honorable lives is stay away from sinful influences. The second thing is honor each other. Most of what Jesus was talking about in this marriage teaching had to do with honoring your spouse. If you love someone and they love you too, that is really wonderful. That's a, that's a blessing. But to honor each other, not just love each other, is important too. The way we think about someone and how we honor them uh, will determine how we treat them. If I think about all the things my husband does wrong and are not to my liking, and I don't think about all the things that he does well, how good he is, how kind he is to me and our children, I'm going to maybe put myself in a situation where I start disliking our relationship. And uh, Satan won't leave it there. He's going to mess with my thoughts. He's going to show me more reasons to see that my husband's a problem. However, <laughs> however, if I honor Steve and see him for all the good things, God will help me stay close to love him even when things are difficult. My husband and I have had difficult times in our marriage. I don't want to say that it's been like perfect. It's not. No, no marriage is perfect, right? Um, it, you're going to have sometimes you have to work through some issues, some problems. But listen, we stuck together and we worked them out, and it's been a great. Uh, how many years? I'm 41. Sure. <laughs> it's been a great long marriage. <laughs> so I didn't start to think about it. <laughs> anyway, um, to honor also can apply to our families. Not, you know, let's just talk about what does it mean to honor each other. Even more than honoring your spouse, we need to honor our families and our friends and leadership at our jobs, at the church. We want to think the best of each other and not assume the worst. Gently and kindly clarify situations and problems. Don't let them stew. The longer we just let that stew without dealing with it, the worse it's going to get. And many times, it's just a thing of misunderstanding or miscommunication. So let's honor each other. Let's think the best of each other and love each other. In Matthew 19, 19, it says to honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Those two things are talking about honor. Hebrews 13.4, marriage should be honored by all. The marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. 1 Timothy 5.17, the elders who direct the, direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. So let me ask you, what does it mean to give double honor to the pastors of the church? Respect and speak well of them. Yeah. Assuming the best. Assuming yeah. the best. Yeah. Tell them how any way you can. Yeah. 
I'm sorry? Help them out. Help them out, yeah. These are all really good answers, you guys. I, I, I think you've covered it. it it's great. It, I think, what too, what you would do is when you pray, you pray and you say, God help them in their job. But also, if there's a problem that you see, pray and ask God to reveal it to them or give you an opportunity to gently, kindly, like I said, say something about it. Um, it's, it's, really a, it's really something God wants us to be doing. And for our, in our uh, jobs, that goes for our bosses too. Even when we have terrible bosses, you know, we still want to show them honor and respect. Yeah. And uh, for the position, if not for the person. Okay, so we want to stay honorable by staying away from sinful influences, honoring each other, and then the third thing, keep our word. We kind of talked a little bit about this last week. But Jesus said, let your answer to a promise just be yes or no. You know, uh, when you say you'll do something, do it. Stand by your word and be a person that people can count on. Proverbs 25, 14 says, like clouds and wind without rain is the one who boasts of gifts never given. That means if you promise something and you don't come through, it's like an empty cloud. You know, like when we're in the drought all summer and clouds would go by and didn't rain. And we'd be like, oh, we need more rain. Yeah, so that's what it's talking about. Um, promising something, then adding the name of Jerusalem or God to it, trying to make it more spiritual, you know, will not make the promise better. What makes the promise better is if we keep our word and our yes is yes and our no is no. People will count you as an honorable person because you come through when you say that you'll do something. And they won't discount you like an empty cloud or a boaster who doesn't keep their word. Psalm 1914 says, May the word, these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We want our words to be pleasing to God. And one of the ways they can be is by us actually, like Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. I want to have my words and promises be pleasing to the Lord, and I want my life to honor Jesus Christ. And by my behavior and by the way I treat others and the words I speak, to be honorable, to glorify Jesus Christ by living a life that's basically a life of worship when we do these things. Would you stand as we close? So we all want to be honorable people and to honor those people in our life and show them respect and love. Take a moment right now, just bow your head and think about your family, your spouse, the leaders in your life. And just think, are you showing honor to them? If God is speaking to you about this, to change the way that you treat someone, to show them honor from now on. Just if God's speaking to you that you need to show honor and you haven't been, just raise your hand. Okay, thank you. If you want to be a person of honor, to stay away from sinful influences and to keep your word, if you want to be a person of honor, just raise your hand. Thank you. Lord God, we just thank you that uh, Jesus didn't hide from these issues. He just addressed them head on. We just thank you, Lord, that they can apply to us today, too. Lord, we want to be honorable people. We want our lives to honor you, Lord Jesus, first of all. But we want to honor each other as well. 
Father, help us to stay away from things that would pull us away from you, that would cause us to not do the things that you have told us we need to be doing as we follow you. Lord God, I pray that we would also uh, keep our word. When we tell someone we're going to do something, Lord, help us to be faithful to do that and not just blow things off. Lord God, I pray for us to be representatives of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to show honor to those around us, to, to people that we are friends with, people that are in leadership over us, people that we are in relationship with. Lord God, I just pray for your leading and guiding in a powerful way in all these areas. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Amen. Amen. Amen.